0: Do you know what I hate about sitcoms And like TV shows What do you hate about sitcoms and TV shows the Scenes end Like <laughs> Like <laughs> when, when there's when Okay so If there's like a sick burn Or an yeah. accident Or something hilarious that happens You never you see gotta, the aftermath Because yeah. they cut the camera and they go on to the next part <laughs> And that doesn't happen in real life. Mm-hmm. And it and it has it has given me a false sense of security when I try to troll people. Yeah. You because I still have to sit there. You can't just <laughs> declare victory. In, and no. <laughs> That's not it, anime, does it like I I do that so often. <laughs> like I'll <laughs> think about things. I'll be like, man, if I could say this really. Crazy burn right now, and then really just really
1: hilarious disappear,
0: right? And like it would show their <laughs> facial reaction, and then we would cut to like 20 minutes later when we've moved on to the next subject. Right. There's no awkward in between, just uh. anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I might be uh, the was only there a situation person. <laughs> recently that remind that made you uh particularly yearn for this? No. At least okay. not that I
0: know of. But like it pops up. It Honestly like I think about it almost every week. <laughs> at least once a week of just <laughs> like, man, wouldn't it be nice? Or man like <laughs> for like and sometimes like comedy shows will hold for, for the obvious like the comedy of it and yeah. like show the aftermath or like Guardians did it when they're like and now we're all standing around like assholes. Right, yeah, Like, that stuff. Or there's one on, like, New Girl, where one of the protags, Nick, he does jump freeze frame, but he just just jumps up and then falls back down because they don't obviously do the freeze frame. But but it's like that awkward aftermath Mm -hmm. is hilarious when you see it, but that's also life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, your character's life continues on, even though the person watching your camera and your scene has moved on to something else, but you still have to live with your own aftermath. And that, that, that soul fact has kept me from doing so many stupid things (laughs) and saying so many just mean or stupid things. So it's a a blessing and a curse.
1: Yeah. It's nice that there's some sort of check, I suppose. You know, I suppose if social consequences weren't there for you. Right. Oh my gosh. I probably wouldn't have, the job that I have, but,
0: you know, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so that's, anyway, that's my life. How are yeah. you
1: doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Just kind of getting back out into the world. Shared some pictures with you and nips on group chat. Rachel and I went, went and had date night. Went to Manhattan for the first time in months. <laughs> it's always like, oh, yeah, I live in New York City. Imagine that. Mm. We went to Washington Square Park, and naturally, I, I thought of Nate Gray. <laughs> <It works> out. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's a dedication to yeah. the craft. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> Dude, honestly, like I would love one of these days. It's going to happen, but like I would love to read a comic set in the place that I'm at.
1: Yeah, that would be super cool. You can always watch the the Santa Barbara soap opera. Soap opera. That's true. Be like but, every yeah, European I've ever met. <laughs> it's, like, it's so the weird. The fucking love that soap opera.
0: The fact that it legitimately is one of the number one things that put Santa Barbara on the map as a tourist location. Right. As like a vacation spot is yeah. so weird. Right. So strange. Ugh. Anywho. Anywho. Should we intro? Let's intro. Yeah. I was messing with the tripod and the setup on the tripod the like the two of the three legs fold in and i've never been able to get the third one into its right spot because the plastic is poorly managed and i did it for the first time i've had this thing for like a year and i just got the third leg out for the first time anyway sorry let's yeah
1: with my Superpower, a podcast where we get really hyped about tripods working. Yeah. My name's Steve Storman, here with my great buddy, Will Freeland. We're here to talk about comic books today. We are here to talk about comics. And tripods. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to, you know... I mean, for any, the... Everybody for... who's here for the tripods, I don't, I don't want to, um you know, disappoint.
0: I can, I mean, we can tell... The listeners at home that there are currently three tripods on
1: screen right now <laughs> yeah and that doesn't count that doesn't include your dog your dog has all four legs she does have all four legs
0: yeah so we read we read comics you know what i was thinking about was, we're gonna get to our actual comics at some point sure we always do <laughs> eventually <laughs> <laughs> what, were <you> th- <laughs> what were you thinking about have you thought about the fact that our giant size X-Men episodes, we cover half the amount of issues of comics that we do on a regular
1: episode? Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. It's hilarious.
0: I mean, I don't I don't know if we necessarily have a lot more to talk about, but I think it I think it's the well, we egg each other the on ability to Talk about the same from the yes. same like base knowledge. Yeah. Whereas a regular week, I'm explaining what happened in a story, and then we have reactions, and then you do the same. Right. Whereas with our dawn books and rain books, we just go straight into the reactions. Well, we'll no, like we, one we sentence do. We do <laughs> a, a good recap. amount of
1: <laughs> recap for, for the people who you know. Yeah, we do recap because, because didn't read. Yeah people probably haven't read as much as we have and yeah that's fine that's what that's we're fine for. no it's it's good i envy them <laughs> <laughs> right what do they do with all that free time it's ridiculous it's amazing nerds
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: they're the nerds
0: yeah they are But yeah anyway it just like it kind of makes me chuckle because we struggle for time on like every one of our pods, and we still screw around bef- at the beginning of our pod, but like mm-hmm. we cover half as much <laughs> <laughs> is just like man, like we do a pretty good job at cutting our time when we're covering like forty issues of of comics right. in a single in a single episode. Anyway, I just think we should pat ourselves on the back for that.
1: Yeah, hey, uh, but yeah,
0: should we talk about what we read? Should I read? tell you what what I tell read? Me, this week? Tell me what you read. I only read three books, but I believe you have a pretty heavy week. So it works out. So I have Captain America, All Die Young, Part Two. This is volume five of Tahisi Coates's. I'm just going to let you keep going. (laughs) (laughs) This is also the end of his run. Yeah. Yeah, he has a little like one page, you know, afterward kind of thing letter to the fans so that was interesting and then i've got volume five as well of black cat written by mckay which is still fun it was actually surprisingly short it's only four issues Hmm. but they cover a good amount for both of these books for cap and black cat there's a conversation that can be had about approach to storytelling and what you do with your story. This is entirely up my so alley. That can be fun. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I've got another issue of Nick Spencer's Spider-Man. You guys, just this cranking about. This is him out. volume 14. Yeah. So the knee jerk on this one is that it's all over the place. This is volume okay. 14, The Chameleon Conspiracy. Okay. So clearly, as you can tell from the cover, the name and the back cover,
1: chameleons involved. <laughs> you know, I've never really had a strong impression of chameleon. He never really struck me as a a character who was You know, particularly important in the list of yeah. Spidey's Rogues Gallery. I guess he initially started the Sinister Numbers. Is that correct? Am I making that up?
0: The first Sinister Six was Octopus. Octopus. Okay. Then I don't know But there have been many. There have been many Sinisters. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, there is... I have a book on my shelf of one of my Spider-Man volumes. I think it's going to be volume 16. That's called Sinister War. Okay. So that may be a thing coming up. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So Chameleon is... Okay, I'm not familiar with his origin,
1: but he's I can a, tell he's you. He's a uh, like a Cold War spy, right? He's a communist spy. Maybe at one point. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you, so
0: he's Kraven's brother. What, is, what? Yes. So he, his name is Dmitry Kravenoff. And when he was like six, he got taken from the Kravenoff Manor and trained to be the chameleon. That part I've known. Okay. The rest that they go into, into in this, I have not, and it's kind of fun. But what I meant about not familiar with his origins is, I don't have an exact explanation of what his ability is, but it's implied. So every time you come across a community, usually it's he's like a master makeup artist wears mm-hmm. a mask, and like you, you like reveal him Scooby Doo style of like, <laughs> oh, it was this. Blank white face all along. (laughs) And (laughs) that's been, but like, I don't know if that's me remembering parts of the animated series of Spider Man and not the comics, because I wasn't reading comics at the, you know, back in the Mm -hmm. 90s. But it's, he's very much implied, like, he'll go from cell to cell with a different face. Okay. So, like, is he a shapeshifter? But then also, if it so, is he a shapeshifter? But he's but he can't be because he's trained to be the chameleon, <laughs> and like so, it's not like he has like husk powers. It'd be right. interesting to introduce someone that was like a blend of husk and morph. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not him. <laughs> it's not chameleon. <laughs> okay. And like he'll like be in one cell as the chameleon with his like white face, his blank slate. Next cell, he'll be, like, Nick Fury Sr. And then the Mm -hmm. cell after that, he'll go back to his white face. So, like, in this book, I never see him mid-transition. Sure. So I don't know
1: how... How does he
0: do it? (laughs) How does this happen? Yeah. But yeah, basically, his body is, like, can always be whatever it is, but Chameleon is, his signature look is that white, bald... Face. Sometimes it's implied that it's a mask. Sometimes it's actually him. Yikes! I don't. It's like there's there's a there's a handful of questions with Dmitry Kamenov. Okay. <laughs> Regardless, chameleon conspiracy. Yes. So yeah. So let's. Uh, oh, what did so? What did you read? I finished things
1: this week. I, hmm. Last week I said that I was going to do kind of a jumping around. I I decided to nix that. There's like a Generation X scrapbook special that was a lot of fun. And then That's I awesome. read the end of the Maverick series, the end of X-Factor, and the end of Excalibur. And I, I have some things to, because I, I like to try and, you know, talk about things in broad statements rather than pure recap. Uh-huh. I want to try and um, do the best I can to, to do a full summary of the 150 and 125 issues, respectively, of X Factor and Excalibur. Oh, man. Okay. Broad strokes, extremely broad strokes. Yeah.
0: Sure. Awesome. Well, I don't think mine should take too long, but I say that almost every week. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> I'll believe when I see it.
0: Yeah, me too. So, Captain America, volume five. Yes. I guess my overall feeling after reading the book was like why did we tell this story? Mhm. And I talked about this also when we talked about Coates's run on Black Panther. Yeah. Of just like I think that I would have taken more from this run if one I knew Coates's like MO or like his history. Yeah. As a as, a, as an author? Yeah. And two, with a different mindset, mm. because of when I started reading this and what was going on in the world, I was very racially sensitive, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase. Sure. And then we get introduced to like the whole like daughters' of liberty thing, and right. Harriet Tubman was a daughter of liberty, <laughs> and that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And compared to, oh god, this is going to get into a whole other <laughs> thing, but I get slightly uneasy when I'm just going to be slightly insensitive with my phrasing because I just want to get the message across. So when white people talk about the struggle or race issues of a minority. Yeah. And and, um, so when Sam Wilson was Cap and was Mm -hmm. dealing with hashtag not my cap and all that kind of stuff, that worked for me because yeah. Sam was the protagonist dealing yeah. with the situation, mm-hmm. and then you've got Coates running a white Steve Rogers story where he is, and to to Coates's credit, he is attempting to ask the question: What America is? Does Steve Rogers represent? Yeah, because every person has a different view of what america is and what Mm -hmm. a perfect america should be Mm -hmm. and when you have a character with
1: america in the name (laughs) like they have
0: to represent an america
1: (laughs) totally yeah you there's there's no there's no such thing as an apolitical captain america book it's literally (laughs) you're telling the story of the country yeah that's an inherently political job
0: and with America being what it is today, especially in the last, like, seven years, conversations around race and intolerance have really hit, you know, top of mind for mm-hmm. most Americans. So the struggles that Cap is going through in this, a lot of it is public image and him representing both sides of the conversation. Yeah. So you have in this story kind of the culmination of Red Skull fanning the flames of intolerance in America, which was super interesting. Like he didn't, he's not taking the Hydra angle anymore. He's taking the let's deface Steve Rogers angle. Mm. Okay. And so he's like, God, maybe it's just it was too real, but like (laughs) in this book, we have Riots going on, all led by different, tip. your typical homebrew terrorist type organizations. Yeah. One has like a bunch of crossbones on them, and they're known as like the crossbones or something like that. Sure. Riots going on. Steve's showing up to try to stop these riots. Sin, who's Red Skull's daughter- Right. Her yeah. name is actually Cynthia, S-I-N-T-H-E-A. <laughs> sure. I've always known her as Sin, but I guess her, you know, government name is Cynthia. Anyway, even in even she, in
1: a story like this, comics can't help but be comics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she like hits Cap with a poisoned knife. And so he gets kind of loopy, and then he just gets the shit beat out of him by protesters. Okay. And then she gets it on camera and puts it out to the world and then you have red skull on his like private network that everyone has like he's got kind of like a uh red skull social media okay if that sounds familiar at all like a
1: a a discord for nazis basically
0: kind of <laughs> and so you have red skull making a video where he says like what's ha- what has happened to the men of the world is truly One of the great tragedies of our time. Once the American man was a conqueror, but now he is but a caretaker. And a caretaker of what? He stands for some amorphous dream, a dream of nothing. But what I offer you is more than just some petty dream, more than a life of tending the hearth. No more shall women be summoned to fight our battles. I offer steel for your spine and iron for your gut. I offer you the sword of manhood. Okay,
1: so he's Jordan Peterson now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so (laughs) because basically in that video the reason why he says you know no more shall women be summoned to fight our battles right when he's getting the snot kicked out of him sharon carter shows up and like takes you know defends him and and helps him get away and so it becomes like these conversations between steve and sharon and the rest of the daughters kind of become like steve's like listen, like, we have to keep on taking the moral high ground here. We can't stoop to their level, blah, blah, blah. And all the daughters are like, yeah, but (laughs) like, you have to be a little, you know, heavy handed. You can't pull your punches every single time. And Steve's like, I was trying to save lives. And Sharon's like, exactly. And for the Lucans. Because Lucans are involved in this, mm-hmm. this has always been about more than lives. Look at what we've seen, Steve, from the nukes at the, at the Capitol to the men of Adamsville. Adamsville was the thing with Celine that we saw last volume, mm. where they're like living the new classic American dream.
1: Oh God. Okay. Oh, she made like a Nova Roma, but like American colonial style. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh.
0: I keep telling you they aren't simply dealing with death and destruction. The point isn't murder. Murder is just a tool. They aren't trying to kill a man. They're trying to kill an idea. Mm-hmm. And we touched on this in, from the annual, from last volume, after they concluded the Adamsville thing of just like Steve Rogers, Captain America, tries to represent the spirit of America. Yeah. And that... Is not an easy thing to be <laughs> right, but yeah, so it ends with. I guess I should say, Do you know who the Lucans are?
1: <laughs> is Lukin? I thought that was the last name of a villain, right? Yeah, so there's Alexander Lucan and Alexander, there's Alexa that's I, Lucan, that's who I was thinking <laughs> of. Yeah, and Alexander Lucan is who again? He's like a Alexander Lukin, I don't know because
0: currently he has had his mind taken over by Red Skull. So,
1: okay. I feel like that's like a pretty regular thing or something.
0: Yeah. Because so Red Skull is Johann Schmidt. Right. Alexander Lukin, I think, was. I never bothered to look, but like a Red Skull sympathizer or something, I don't know. Okay. But Red Skull, oh God. So in Uncanny Avengers, when Professor Xavier died, Red Skull lobotomized him and right. took his psychic abilities because that's easy a thing to you do, can apparently. do, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so when he lost that run, I believe that is when he implanted himself psychically into Alexander Lukin. Okay, so this was a bit ago, and now it's finally like coming to.
1: I thought he also did that during Brewbaker's run. <laughs> I could be told totally Brewbaker's one.
0: War- Brewbreaker's run <laughs> at the death of Captain America. The whole plot was for Red Skull to insert his brain into Steve Rogers' body, but that right. was. That was a scientific but, method but and not a mutant-based the, uh, method. I don't know. So up until Uncanny Avengers, all of the mind stuff that Skull's been involved with has been hypnosis and science-based. Okay. So you have like uh, Faust and, and all of them. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know why I know all this, but <laughs> anywho, at the end of this Steve doesn't die. None of the daughters die. Red Skull gets away. Cynthia gets away. However, we come out of this... Oh, God. I guess I lied on that part. So, geez, there's so many random moving parts. But Uh Cynthia had apparently... I don't. I don't remember this ever being a thing. So in my memory, Sin has always been just the crazy daughter of Red Skull. Right. Alexa Lucan is tasked with training her to remember her freaking psychic abilities that she's had, or these like other green light based powers that she's got. Okay. And so she puts her in all these like death defying situations, and she ends up. Learning how to like teleport and oh. all this other random stuff. Okay, but she survives the storyline, so she we have this empowered sin now, okay. and she is pissed primarily because Alexa gets shot by a sniper, and Alexa has all these all these crazy powers, in the, and she's like using these powers and summoning these demons to train sin, and the last issue ends with Cap and skull sitting at a table for their like final quote-unquote confrontation because the okay. whole the whole thing between skull and cap has always been a difference of ideas and ideals and not necessarily like we punch each other till one of us knocks out kind sure of thing. yeah so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. but skull basically talks about all the people that he has convinced to, do these terrible things for him, and that he's going to bring about a new world. And Skull calls out Steve the same way that the reporters did in in our favorite <laughs> frontline issue of Civil War. Uh huh. And he's basically giving him shit, of just like you don't represent America anymore. And right. You need to learn to understand that. Right. And Steve just refuses to listen to that part. Like he and th- and that's kind of where the whole like. Steve Rogers represents the spirit and nothing else (laughs) kind of comes into play.
1: Yeah. I mean, his, his superpower is moral certainty more Mm -hmm. or less. Like he is whenever there's a conflict between, you know, more than one hero, he's always on the right side. (laughs) And honestly, like the line that sums him up better than anything is, was in, um, winter soldier, you know, the whole world's against you and you say, no, you move like that. Yeah. That's, that's I'm, the yeah. essence of, of captain America Not, to me.
0: Yeah. That's from fear itself or siege. Okay. It I haven't
1: either siege or fear itself. I thought no, they also that, did that in, in the MCU.
0: They did do that in the yeah. MCU for in civil war. It was in civil war. That's when right. Sharon said that her aunt Peggy said that quote, Uh and she recited it at the funeral. So that was just that was that was just quote unquote an homage to Cap sure. saying that in the comics. Gotcha. Okay. But yes, uh, it it it's it's Cap's Cap stands for standing for what you believe in.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. No matter what which, the cost. and is often at odds with the exact you know political or historical situation of America. But this this is turned into what marvel has kind of over the years distilled the essence of the um, the best parts of the american political ideology to be is when you have your moral certainty it doesn't matter who's against you essentially
0: yeah so yeah it it comes down to this kind of interesting conversation at the end here where Steve says, you know, from the concentration camps to Central Park, follow the bodies and you'll find the skull laughing and sneering. So like, how disappointing after all our battles, all our wars, I would have thought that by now you understood me. True in the past, I was a different man, but who, one who at times thirsted for blood. But at my core, I have never changed. I want what you want, the betterment of all humanity. It just so happens that we have different ways of getting there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. mine is right while yours is wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> says uh, what are you here for A confessional of my sins does the mighty super soldier now wish to blame his weakness his inability to safeguard his countrymen on the internet because <laughs> Steve blames him for all the people he's inspired to like kill radicalized basically. on yeah And so Steve says, no, you're free to spew your hateful bile, and we're free to listen. That's America. And the fact that we, that I, have left a generation open to your poison, well, we all have sins to answer for. But of course, your sins are, as always, different. You killed those men in Central Park, You own your own followers. They believed in you, and you sacrificed them. And he just says, what if I did? Those men, my followers, as you call them, understood that their lives are nothing in the abstract they are men in name but not in deed men act men sacrifice and deep within my followers know this in their very dna they feel themselves called to an old legacy one presently defiled by misfits and feeble minds only by joining themselves to a larger cause can these
1: aimless lives assume meaning so literal literal fascism here we're talking about you know yes the, the <laughs> yeah so he says
0: you yourself know something of such sacrifice and has a little flashback to him on the plane where Bucky die quote unquote dies and loses his arm and he gets falls into the ice. And he says, "But you slept through some things, didn't you, Captain?" and has show uh, to Edmund Pettus Bridge, the um I believe this is the Martin Luther King March, not the Million Man March, but the other one they did and anyway, I'm trying to figure out how I can talk about this like monologue of two pages without reading every single word so skull basically tells steve that he's a man out of time Uh, i'm sorry he's not a man out of time he's a man out of country because so much has happened while he's been in the ice that this is no longer the world you know he's like i am the man you think you are I am the one who has been who has taken your precious liberties and bent them against you. Witness my mark on the deviants of America just as he witnessed them in Takao. I'm the conqueror, I am the plague of to the weak, a scourge to the wretched. And then he basically says Listen closely, Captain. Even one as dull as you should be able to comprehend what I'm about to say. I am death. I am the purge. I come to sweep away the filth from your cities, the barnacles from your hull, the insects that infest this world. And I care not one whit how many quote-unquote followers must be sacrificed for this cleansing. On their bodies, I will build a citadel to the west. And these Americans, they shall watch as a new order arises from the ash. And then Steve now... Getting what he wanted from Skull, he says. Imagine if those Americans could could watch you now. Turns out, Daughters of Liberty had a camera on Steve, and they were broadcasting that live to his own network. So you get a little like flash of all these people being like shocked, looking at their screens. <laughs> you have one person crying, and basically that's how they end these nationwide but I mean, tirades.
1: It, but they, they're not they're not surprised It Trump Trump's people that they, they love that he despises them, you know, like uh-huh. they don't, it's just, I don't know. Is that really how they're, yes. <laughs> the the whole point is, I don't know. It's that you know, he just has open contempt for his own followers, all, the MAGA army and everybody. They, they don't, they expect to be treated like insects. I mean, let's mm-hmm. not beat it around the bush. It, they're talking about Trump, right? So we have a Fox
0: News of the Marvel verse. It's called the Fact Channel. Okay, Fact Channel. And to your point, so they're basically Bucky O. <laughs> Dryad. So the Dryad is a title that is the head of the Daughters of Liberty. Right okay. now, the Dryad is Peggy Carter. So Peggy is alive. And sure. She also looks very young. So I think.
1: Some timey-wimey shenanigans.
0: Timey-wimey shenanigans, but I think this is some Kobic shenanigans. I think. <sighs> I think when Kobic restored Steve and made him Hydra Steve, I think. Okay. She brought back a new Peggy Carter. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) point is Peggy, Bucky, Sharon, and Steve are at this like backyard barbecue just kind of like hanging out somewhere. And they're like recapping all the loose ends that have been closed. And Peggy talks about – But there's already a Red Skull Was Right movement afoot.
1: The Fact Channel
0: is actually saying the skull's frankness is refreshing. We're all criminals, apparently. At least the skull will admit it.
1: (laughs) All right. Yep, there it is. (laughs) And
0: Steve has his head in his hands. He says, oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And then Sharon talks about this cartoonist, Paul Knoth he's pretty funny kind of dark though anyway he's got this one where there's a bunch of sheep looking at a campaign sign and on the sign there's a wolf and his slogan is i'm going to eat you and you know what one of the sheep says in response that guy tells it like it is
1: (laughs) i think that's a real one actually
0: but yeah so anyway they kind of reference the fact that this is this is kind of America now you're going to have to like your war that you have chosen. Steve Rogers is nonstop. Like you want to be the spirit of the best that America can be. And America openly is not going to be that. (laughs) Sure. Uh, (laughs) So yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you have a powered sin now who's control over powers and, Mm-hmm. Luke and Red Skull still alive.
1: And. Right.
0: Oh, Cynthia now desires to go by the name Superior because sure. that's a thing. Yeah. And she has glowing green eyes now. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's, it's not. It wasn't a bad book, but it wasn't like. It wasn't compelling to me mm. because it was just like. There's a lot of just. I don't know. I think it's. Maybe it reflects it reflects America a little too black and whitey. I don't know. I don't
1: know. A little too real. Did you did you get the sense that the book is more about making a point than, than telling a story?
0: Maybe. Like I kind of I feel like Coates was given Captain America and he was like, How do I write an America and a Captain America that makes sense to me?
1: Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean cuz his you know, he's an essayist, he's not a fiction writer first. He's you know, he he comes with a a very strong ideological statement about what America is. That's what he writes about, you know, in the Atlantic and in his books and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of his his project is about kind of recontextualizing American history. And so, this whole like, you know, conversation with Red Skull, obviously it's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it what it's all about. But yeah, I just, you know, like I, I didn't get super deep into his, his Black Panther run, but I'm just wondering like how how much is he using the tool of t- storytelling or and how much is it like yeah. making he I mean he's trying to say something.
0: His run on Black Panther introduced a good number of new characters and factions. But yeah. his first like volume was super wordy because he was still figuring out how to be a comic writer. Mm, okay. And I like the stuff that he did until he did this whole intergalactic empire of Wakanda thing. Right. That one I I wasn't a big fan of. Sure. It was cool to get a Black Panther story that focused on the like monarchy of the like royal family of and the ins and outs of Wakanda and not sure. Black Panther doing stuff. It was more T'Challa doing stuff. Mm,
1: yeah, okay. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Put it in context.
0: But yeah, and this one in, in Cap, it's I, – I wonder if Coates grew up questioning what does Captain America represent. And sure. <laughs> now he's given this chance and he's like, okay, given the 80 years of history he already has – how do I tell a good story that that gives myself an answer that I like, but accepting the past that he already has?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I don't honestly know that I could do it. <laughs> like if I was given the same kind of thing, but well, yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to accept Captain America as the spirit of America. Sure. It's just there's so much room for interpretation of what America is. Exactly. I think that's the only answer you can have. <laughs> so I don't know. It wasn't a bad run. I don't think it was a run for me as the kind of person that I am. Yeah. But yeah, that was a whole lot of all over the place conversation. Cause it's <laughs> it's so hard to it's so hard to read a coat's Captain America and not just talk about life and And not the book itself. (laughs) I mean, that's
1: kind of the mark of good art, though, right? It it, it touches on real things. Yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, so the things that come out of it. So yeah, I mean, Fact Channel has been implied to be Fox News plenty of times, but like this book definitely cements it as the Fox News of 616, which is just in itself kind of fun. Right. And then Peggy Carter exists. And so this is why. I am concerned because Peggy Carter now is in 616, alive and well. She's the Dryad Mm. and involved with the Daughters of Liberty. The popularity of Captain Carter from Marvel's What If makes me concerned for where they might try to force Dryad Peggy in the comics to
1: go. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: going to be... Right, it's going to be whatever. I feel like it's an unnecessary thing. Okay. Like I like Peggy through this and honestly, Peg the Peggy Carter we get in the MCU before what if don't
1: need a super soldier serum. Oh, I see where you're going with that. They don't yeah, need yeah, this yeah.
0: heroic shield and uniform. They're already a capable character on their own.
1: That's really true. Yeah.
0: Okay. Whereas one could argue that super scrawny young little Steve, even though he's got the spirit, he needs the super soldier serum <laughs> in order to be a good character. So I don't know. Or usable character. Yeah. I, don't know. It's, okay. um,
1: I see where you're going. With. I, I thought you were being like, oh, the sanctity of the source material or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. No, it totally checks out.
0: So I don't know. It's – I. Mainly because I want to see what Dryad Peggy's gonna do, if, if she's going to do anything outside of a Captain America story, mm. as opposed to, yeah, give me Captain Carter. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, the only things that came, quote unquote, only things that came out of this is we have Peggy Carter, we have a unaged Sharon Carter because she got lost in Dimension Z in. In Remender's run, and she was, she was Grandma Sharon for right. a bit. And Sin is going by Superior, and she has superpowers now. Sure. Those are kind of the takeaways. Okay. And so we'll see who gets Captain America after that.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, okay. no kidding. Super quick, right? So <laughs> yeah. Black Cat. Black Cat.
0: Alright, so Black Cat is involved with the New York Thieves Guild. New York Thieves Guild is not a part of the regular
1: Thieves Guild. The New Orleans. That that yeah.
0: Remy is, and is the head of is the king of yep. with the protection of, of Kandra, uh-huh. who is the god of thieving. Slash that grants yeah. <laughs> that grants the heads <laughs> immortal life, even though I don't think Remy has it. But yeah. anyway, so you have that. You have that fact about the Thieves' Guilds. Okay. Right. So in this book, you have, okay, we have, we have New York's Thieves' Guilds. They don't have the protection of Kandra. What do you do? So, oh, go to a different deity and make a different deal to get immortality, and let's deal with that. And so we tell that story. Well, we dive into that kind of story. Yeah. Over the last four volumes of, of Black Cat, We have shown Felicia's relationship with Odessa Drake, who is the leader of the New York Thieves Guild. Right. We've seen Felicia steal from the Fantastic Four, Doctor Uh Strange, Wolverine, (laughs) Iron Fist, Iron Man, the Frick Collection. Among these things that she has stolen is the original deed to Manhattan. She has stolen interdimensional teleporter doorway type thing
1: right because
0: we find out when she's teamed up with the black fox who is the man who trained her we find out that the new york thieves guild's vault is in an other dimension and so they're going to so so we want to use this interdimensional thing that they have to open the door to that vault and steal from the new york thieves guild and so that's where we get, that's the revelation we get at the end of the last volume. Okay. So we go into this of them doing the heist and then betrayal here, betrayal there. Black Fox's real goal turns out to be
1: mm-hmm.
0: to make a new deal with the deity that whatever has made their deal with the Thieves Guild.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Huh. Big skull face, gold thing. He is. <laughs> he is okay. He is the. <laughs> he is a a god of death and wealth, and basically, okay. once upon a time, he made a deal with the New York Thieves Guild to give them immortal, basically the head, which would in this case be Odessa, sure. immortal immortality, eternal youth, and eternal life. As long as the New York Steve's Guild gives like gives them ten percent of all of their the t- yeah, the tithes. Yeah. And so we have Black Fox and Black Cat show up and the deity is like, My contract is, is made with Odessa Drake. She's bargained and paid the price already, and he mm-hmm. says, I can offer you something better. And mm-hmm. he's like, What are you what are you talking about? And he's like here the greatest treasure in the world i give you manhattan so he <laughs> okay. offers con- ownership of manhattan to break the deal to 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 undo the deal with <laughs> the thieves guild <laughs> and give black fox and cat immortal life okay reason being black fox is dying he is an old man and he is dying and he has Tried all kinds of other things, even to go to the extent of asking Dracula to make him a vampire and give him eternal life. Hmm. Problem with that being, in the past, some time ago, he and Castillo, who is Odessa Drake's father, Castillo Drake, and the man that trained them, robbed Dracula. Of his balance. <laughs> back <laughs> okay, Back cool. in the day. <laughs> And also, Felicia's dad, I forget his name, was, was the driver, and Ulysses Bloodstone was in on it. Oh. And Ulysses was the, the man that distracted Dracula while Fox, Castillo, and Hardy got away. Anyway, so sure. point is, he made, this de- he made this new deal, and the deity is like, cool. <laughs> so now, so Black Cat is pissed. She doesn't want to put... So basically, as soon as this god has the deed to Manhattan, Manhattan starts being taken into his vault. Oh. So that's not cool. No. So so Fox is like, listen, you have immortality. You have enough time to get over it. Uh Take all the time you need. I'm sorry for this betrayal, but like, I need to live. (laughs) And I included you in this deal too, so... If yeah. it takes you 200 years to get over it, I understand. <laughs> so Felicia gets out, and she's pissed, and she yeah, no kidding. basically puts together a new plan of trying to undo what the fox did. Okay. And I'll tell you, as I'm reading this, I have no idea. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what she's going to do. No So anyway, she goes to Odessa, and okay. she's like, hey, we both got fucked by Fox. Yes. We want to team up for something? And she's like, oh, fine. Because at the end of the day, they trust each other. At the end of the day, they, they love each other, but they're also going to be at odds sure. eternally. To the, <laughs> right. to the same degree of like, not even the same degree mm-hmm. as like Spider-Man and, and, and Felicia. But oh, okay. But the, there's a thieves honor type thing. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> um, Odessa, the 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 thieves guild have ways to teleport. So of course, sure. on top of that, there are trackers on all of her stuff, on all of Felicia's stuff, as we had seen last volume when we got to int- we got introduced to the to Queen Cat, who is that <laughs> super tan blonde lady okay. who has her own history. Anyway, so <laughs> Black Cat goes to the vaults. Yes, And that's the end of the second issue. She's going to transport into the vault. And then the, the, the third issue is the quote-unquote now where she goes to a now young black fox and is like, hey, so you fucked me. And he's mm. like, I know. Like you have, you have time to get over it. And she's like, yeah, about that. So, <laughs> so she tells him, she's like, actually, you wouldn't believe how my day went. I went to the vault and he's like, that's impossible because mm. like, there's no way out. There's, there's no way out of the vault. You're, 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 you're joking. She's like, well, I can, I can tell you that it's, it, it is possible. I was there and
1: <laughs> yeah."
0: she talks about like all the crazy stuff that you, so, okay. The vault is like a, con, a desert of riches.
1: Okay. Well, like,
0: like the inside of the lamp in Aladdin. Yes. Yes. Well, inside of the Cave of Wonders. It's outside oh, the lamp. Okay. The lamp is itty-bitty living space. <laughs> sure.
1: It's been 30 years since so, I saw the movie, so uh, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but so she talks about, like, how ancient this whole thing is because – sorry. The, the deity's name is the Gilded Saint, by the way. Sure. There's, like – Ancient coins from, like, China, from Greece, Mesopotamia, even seashells from before people even used coin to, like, make offerings. It was just an amazing place. And she's like, all right, well, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. However, there is a tracker on the deed to Manhattan, so she goes and tracks it down, and she finds it. (laughs) <laughs> and Fox is like you're kidding me How, what and he's like yep and then the gilded saint shows up in the vault and, and he's like mm. the hell are you doing in my vaults are you do you plan to join my collection or like because you've got eternal life like what's going on girl and she's like no actually I've come to make a deal and she's like what are you talking about she's like first of all I want out I don't want eternal life and okay. he's like are you serious like, she's like yeah fuck it and he's like fine <laughs> whatever <laughs> but you said first, so what's what's second? And she's like, I want to get out of here. And he's like, and, and Gilded Saint says, that's impossible. And and he's like, well, yeah, about that. So okay. she tells Gilded Saint that, hey, Fox is going to screw you over. He's going to double cross you. Uh-huh. And Gilded Saint's like, that's ridiculous. Our, our bargain is binding. And she's like, yeah, he has his youth back now. He's got what he wants. He's going to double-cross you. He's going to invalidate your claims of Manhattan, uh, which is your right. He has a plan. I know him. He always has a plan. Okay. She's like giving him the heads up. And <laughs> sure. Saint is just like- Sweet talk. Okay. That's interesting. What insur- assurance do I have from you that this, is, that this is actually going to happen? And she's like, mm-hmm. honestly, if I'm wrong and nothing happens, you can come and take me. Oh. Like, you can, you can take me back to your vault- and, you know, I'll eventually die because I gave up my immortality. And so Gilda Saint says, okay. So lets her out. So that's how she gets out. And this whole time, Black Cat is, or Felicia is telling this to Fox. And she's looking very sad. Mm. And he's like, I don't understand. So, like, what's going on? And he's like, listen, I told you, I'm voiding your deal. And I'm saving Manhattan. Time is up. I'm so sorry for what comes next.
1: Hmm.
0: And she's like, and and Fox is like, I don't, I don't get it. What are you talking about? She said, Yeah. And Fox is like, I don't have any plans to screw over the Saint. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, Yeah, but uh, the Saint doesn't know that. And it flashes oh. back to the deed, and she set a little napalm bomb on the <laughs> deed. Goes off. The deed gets destroyed. But so now the uh, Saint no longer has the deed to Manhattan. The deal is broken. Saint shows up, super pissed, and he's like, <laughs> "You have broken our agreement, Sir Black Fox. You're coming with me. You, you nasty asshole of a person." Takes him in into his vault and and says, and he says goodbye to Felicia. He's like, okay. Well done, Felicia. Yeah. I'm out. So that was interesting. And then we get we get a like after like. Sort of party at the bar with no name, which I don't remember Felicia owning, but I also fully believe it. (laughs) But (laughs) anyway, her two henchmen are bartending and all of the New York Thieves Guild are there having a celebratory drink. Felicia Mm -hmm. and Odessa hook up and then you get an annual, which is basically (laughs) Black Hat (laughs) teaming up with White Fox. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because colors and names and animals but this set (laughs) so on the like intro right before it all has a reference to infinite destinies yeah and infinite destinies is the name of volume six i think Mm. of black cat so we'll see where that goes okay so it made me feel like this was a little bit early but who knows anyway it's a team up with black fox and or i'm sorry with white with white She recruits her with the Tiger Division. Tiger Division (laughs) is Korea's superhuman team. Oh, right. Okay. Because their quote-unquote Superman has been mind-controlled and taken over by a terrorist group. Well, you never want that. You don't want that. And so they have their members, Luna Snow, who we got introduced to in Marvel firsts or whatever that thing is called In the future uh, she's a pop star with ice powers right 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 you have you have the general who is a totem that walks like a man he's just like a <laughs> possessed statue okay mr enigma who is an unkillable brawler god of the soul streets sure so he he's like basically your drunken fist God man. Okay. Gun R sure. two robot rookie with big shoes to fill. So I assume there was a Gun R at some point.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then there's that Auntie Auntie that I sent a picture a picture to, send a picture to you <laughs> <laughs> because who names someone anti Auntie? So it's Auntie like like the your your a- your U- father's N- sister. Yeah. And then auntie, like, anti up your bets. Right. And because she is a canny gambler sorceress with a deck of magical playing guards older, older than she looks. You know, shenanigans, they fight. They're losing a battle. Black Cat and White Fox find the telepath that's in control of them. And he's a bad guy and they kill him. So. Sure. It was just kind of, it was like a romp. The only reason why it existed for me is the Mm -hmm. banter here and there. It was just kind of fun because I I like McKay's writing. um, Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that before. Then we get the little backstory of when Ulysses and Black Fox robbed Dracula. Mm. And it turns out that that is the last heist that they did with Black Fox training Hardy and Castillo, they okay. both decided that, hey, you know, we want to kind of go make a name for ourselves and we're going to go to New York. Sure. So anyway, fun little black hat story. Yeah. But basically, like, I liked the approach of it of just like, so how do we like Thieves Guild has a protection of a, of a god. The New York Thieves Guild doesn't. She would give it one hmm sure <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah so that was fun and it was called the the name of the book is called i'll take manhattan and i i thought she was just gonna do some crazy heist with manhattan right. and i'd forgotten that she got she'd stolen the deed to manhattan uh-huh. and i was like wait oh god so she's gonna go public with it and then this all stuff happened and I'm like, okay <laughs> <laughs> nice. but also that's crazy like I mean, one, the power of a piece of paper. Sure, like what happens now. <laughs> but two, now what? Like, yeah. if you've destroyed
1: the deed to Manhattan. It just goes back to, you know, the Native people. Do you have people. to make a new one? Like, just, just revert it to, you know, Native American usage and decolonize, land back, the whole thing. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, we can get, I mean, we're, we're dealing with black Academy as well in Red Wolf.
0: Sure. sure. <laughs> and he can, he can be that extra.
1: Animal plus color. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah. Okay. So Amazing Spider-Man Camedian Conspiracy. Amazing Volume Spider-Man Volume 14 Cons- of Nick Spencer's Run.
1: Yeah. He's going so long.
0: This has felt like the most convoluted story Uh-oh. that I've read Uh-oh. of Nick Spencer's Run. Uh-oh. So basically with... Volume 13, we had more wrap-up of, like, Kindred stuff and, like, kind of moving that along. And then we also had, in the last volume, we had culmination of the Boomerang side story with the Tablet of Life and Kingpin bringing his son back, okay. who is the Rose. And we also had, oh, man, um, Robbie Robertson's son, Randy, and Tombstone's daughter, Janice, uh, okay. are dating – And then Tombstone and Randy have a bad history. And so it was kind of like uh, coming to terms for the two of them. They're willing to have a truce as long as their kids are happy. Okay. Sure. So that was last volume. Other storylines that haven't been touched in Nick Spencer's run get touched here. (laughs) Like (laughs) Chance having that giant casino in the air. Sure. And this kid, I think his name is Jesse. Jamie, who is a student at ESU who created the Clairvoyant that can tell the future,
1: Mm. predict the future. Okay.
0: And he had used the Clairvoyant at that casino to gain himself a bunch of wealth. Yeah. We get a little bit of insight into why he does that. It's because his mom is like on dialysis at home or something. She's very sick and he needs money to pay for it. Kind of a classic... Generic backstory, but <laughs> sure, not a big deal. Yeah, and then what other? Oh, and then also we have more stuff with Teresa Parker. The who? Teresa Parker is Pete's sister. Okay, so oh. when we are introduced to Teresa Parker, oh, we are led to believe that she is the blood relative sister. Of Peter Parker. Oh. She was on the plane that crashed that Mary and Richard, their parents, were on, but she survived the crash a la Havoc okay. and, and um, Cyclops and all them. And she grew up to be a super spy. And there's a one shot called Family Business where you get introduced to her. She ends up getting trained by Nick Fury to be a super spy, double Asian type shit. Chameleon is involved and Teresa's whole thing is she wants to track down and kill the man who killed their parents. Okay. And his name is... Carl Fears, also known as the Finisher. Oh, oh, boy. I don't know if that's ever been established, <laughs> sure. but we get that in this. Okay. So he's the one that brought down the plane that killed Richard and Mary Parker. Mm. So Teresa's whole thing is finding him and killing him. That's, that's like right. her one mission in life. And so for the most part, that is what we're looking at in this volume. We also get, (laughs) there is an epilogue in the last volume of Kindred bringing Otto Octavius back to life.
1: Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we have Dr. Octopus back. Mm -hmm. The reason why that's a weird thing is because Otto Octavius, the mind of Otto Octavius currently still does exist. Right. In an improved clone body of Peter Parker. Yeah, the superior. he is the superior octopus. Yes. And is is slightly more than an anti – he's like an anti-hero plus in California. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have those plots left untouched in the last couple of volumes. And so we are exploring those here. Okay the beginning of the of the volume we get we explore more of the casino and chance and jamie's well clairvoyant and chance knows that jamie has the clairvoyant and he wants to take it from him and <laughs> so you get superhero shenanigans with that and jamie's like honestly i can't even really do what you're asking because it needs a suitable power source the suitable power source was the thing that the f- sinister mm. syndicate—no, not sinister. I don't know the guy. Whatever the frightful four. <laughs> okay. I guess the frightful four, but the, led by led by the wizard, Gray Gargoyle, Whirlwind. Oh, anyway, it, it happened like three volumes ago. Okay. Because there was this experimental new power thing that was like some otherworldly thing. I don't remember all the details (laughs) about it. Point is there exists a machine that could power the clairvoyant. Okay. It was introduced in a previous volume of Spider Man. Sure. And but that's one that's not theirs to use. And (laughs) ever since that supervillain situation, security has gotten tighter. Okay. So Jamie's like, yeah, I mean, you know, technically there is something, but it's heavily guarded and you're not going to be able to get there. Sure. And, and Chance is like, if you know where it is, we can we can make something happen. Uh, that thing is referred to as the catalyst, by the way, that machine, which is <laughs> annoying because of all the things for my street name to be referenced as, <laughs> and, and to be used
1: for, I didn't want it to be this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure there are, um, I'm sure there are five other previous catalysts in the Marvel Universe.
0: One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <sighs> superhero comic book shenanigans. They hire the, what's his name, the slide or the slider. I sent you the picture. I'm just like, <laughs> why is this even a
1: person? <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking of a small hamburger. <laughs>
0: yeah, me too. I yeah, that's a good one. God, yeah, slide S L Y D. Right, yeah. He gets hired to help steal the catalyst. They end up getting away with the catalyst and getting it to the casino. Chance has been dealing with this guy called the Foreigner. Foreigner is an agent of Simcaria.
1: Okay, he one of the many embattled fictional Eastern European countries in the Marvel universe.
0: Yes, and they share a border with Latveria, yeah.
1: another fictional
0: marvel <laughs> country. But Silver Sable is the monarch or queen right. or whatever head president yeah. of Simcaria. And Foreigner basically works for her. He's a big guy. He he seems kind of like a rich Punisher. Yeah. In the sense of Punisher doesn't so they both have like this arsenal. I don't know where Punisher gets his arsenal from. I assume he steals it from everyone he kills. But, that would make sense. <laughs> right? But Foreigner buys all the cool guns and shit. Whereas Punisher's uniqueness is his ruthlessness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, foreigner's uniqueness is that he he has money. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and he has been using some Karian Accounts to kind of help fund the casino slash hire whatever freaking assassin he needs. Sure, launder Long, money around. Like Slide yeah. and all this other kind of stuff. And Sable's not having it. She's not a fan. And Foreigner's story ends with, well, involvement in this story ends with he's been cut off from the accounts. And his last
1: hires are (laughs) Black Ant and Taskmaster. (laughs) He's cut off from all of his money, and he has to go live in a motel in a town with an unfortunate name that he accidentally bought as a prank years ago. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, that, like that's just a plot that is going to continue on because it ends with Taskmaster and Black Ant. Black Ant is Eric O'Grady.
1: Mm. That's what he's going by these days. Okay.
0: But Eric O'Grady has since died and is replaced by a LMD.
1: <laughs> oh, sure. And
0: has is programmed to be bad and <laughs> but he still has the same kind of personality okay as Eric O'Grady and mm-hmm. so that's why he's black ant mercenary for hire. Okay. Anyway. Spider-Man is heavily involved with this plot line. And in dealing with it, Betty Brant shows up again. Okay. And turns out she's pregnant. Oh. Like she's like seven or eight months pregnant. She's, oh boy. she's big. Yeah. And she's like, OMG, you're never gonna guess who the father is. Oh, and no. Pete's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and she's like, it's Ned Leeds. So <sighs> um. Ned Leeds Famously is the second Hobgoblin Yep. But like because it's comics It was like Roger Kingsley who's the first Hobgoblin conv- Framed Ned Leeds to be the Hobgoblin But he was also like Convinced to be the Hobgoblin Because he's, he's actually wearing the suit And all this other stuff he, Ned and Pete Go to Europe in Wolverine, in Spider-Man versus Wolverine, which is the storyline that Spider-Man has referenced in the f- in the whole like killing somebody, thing. yeah. And I don't know if that reference is Ned Leeds because Ned Leeds dies in that storyline. Okay, <laughs> but. Ned goes to Europe and finds one of Osborne's stashes because Osborne absconded to Europe in the past, mm-hmm. and that's when he screwed Gwen Stacy and had those two kids. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Ned goes and drinks all the Green Goblin formula he can find, <laughs> and that's when he goes crazy. But it doesn't tend to work out because, or it didn't work because he didn't get the Goblin powers and so he ends up getting killed by the rose who is King <laughs> son.
1: Sure. <laughs> who is now back.
0: Yeah. And he ends up coming back to life, and that's what the Green Goblin formula did. And this is all from <laughs> Ned Leeds's perspective, because what we quote unquote know of Ned Leeds is yeah he didn't come back to life from the Green Goblin formula. He was brought back. He was cloned and brought back to life during the clone conspiracy, oh my God. where we had the return of Jackal as as posed by Ben Riley and not Miles Warren. And at the end of that, and and in that storyline. <laughs> In that storyline, oh Ben Riley brings back literally every single person that has died in Peter Parker and Spider-Man's stories in the last 60 years, including Ned Leeds. And at the end of that storyline, the clones start to like decompose and die, sure. except for like except for the clones the that, that
1: writers want to hold on to. <laughs>
0: right. So Otto, Octavius. Was cloned and he knew he knew about that like deficiency and so he pre so he programmed it out and so okay. that's why he survived and he put himself into that body and then some other clones ended up surviving I think because the answer to this one was webware based and so and which and they sent <laughs> out an audio signal that that activated the bad the decomposition of the clones and so I think the way out of it is if the cloned Ned wasn't anywhere near any webware, he was fine. So, whatever. Moving on. So I
1: saw, I saw a thing on Facebook recently. <laughs> that it, was, it was just like, you know, it said like recommending anime to anybody is damn near impossible because every anime has a certain amount of bullshit and you don't know what level of anime bullshit the person you're recommending to has tolerance for.
0: Yes, I saved that
1: meme. <laughs> it must have been a mutual. <laughs> that is exactly this, except comic books.
0: Yes, a- absolutely. <laughs>
1: because, Just so, the level of comic book bullshit.
0: I think on Nick Spencer's run, but a long-ass time ago, mm-hmm. Pete came across a homeless, disheveled Ned Leeds. Okay. And he was dying, and Pete was like, we got to get you to the hospital. He's like, no, nah, it's not going to make it. And he's like, yeah, but, but Betty... And then he dies. So, <laughs> cloned Ned Leeds has died. Okay. We don't know who this Ned Leeds is. Oh, boy. And we also don't know if his story is true. Like, if this is the original right. Ned Leeds that did actually revive. But right. that's, that's all brand new in this story. So, okay. we'll see. But anyway, he shows up and he ended up being an informant to the bugle for them to do this crazy story for them. In order for them to come out with this story, because the informant was anonymous, Betty asked if they could meet so she so she could verify the source. Ends up mm-hmm. being Ned, they get super excited and they have sex. She gets pregnant because comics. Yeah. And then they they do they do the big story. Cool, 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 whatever. <laughs> and so Ned goes with Spider-Man to the casino to help deal with – because the story that Betty and Ned are working on, they find out that the – they want to deal with the – something, 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 Foreigner is involved. And okay. because the Rose didn't kill Ned, Foreigner oh, okay. was involved with his past. I forget sure. exactly – how and like they said it in like one page because it was a flashback to the actual story and okay uh, that happened way before i started reading all these comics but uh (laughs) but anyway he wants to so he's looking into taking down the foreigner and they find out that foreigner is currently involved with something called the clairvoyant and so spider-man gets involved to deal with all that and he takes ned with him to where the clairvoyant is and to hopefully save jamie yada 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 get on to the casino, and comic things happen. So now Spider-Man has to try to fight all the baddies that are on the casino while saving the Catalyst and the Clairvoyant and Jamie, all while Ned is like, you go do you, I gotta go do something real quick. And he (laughs) goes and finds the foreigner to go fight the foreigner. (sighs) All that is going on while there's a giant Okay. <laughs> Teresa, so now so that's going on and now we oh have Teresa's story, okay? So okay. Teresa tracks down the chameleon in his cell and she wants to kill him because of his involvement with her origin story. Stuff. Sure. That happened in Family Business that I haven't Read, but I did buy because I was curious about her origin. I didn't know she was <laughs> gonna keep coming back, and I should probably read it anyway. Yeah, turns out that she turns out that the chameleon was trained by the finisher, by okay. Carl Fears, Fires Fears, whatever. And so Chameleon calls her. I was like, I know. You know, I know what you're actually looking for. You're looking for this guy, the finisher. And Hmm. we get to the finisher. And so now there's this confrontation of backstory establishing between (laughs) the finisher, Chameleon, and Teresa. And Teresa is motivated by this lingering question of, like, something doesn't fit with my backstory.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So we get the – we get – so Finisher's like, yeah, I know. So you want to talk about it or, or what should we do here? So we get – doesn't matter how we tell the story. But find out – so we get a little bit of detail on when the Finisher shows up at the Cravenoff Manor, finds young Dimitri, takes him under his wing because Dimitri okay. was like wearing a wig and he was, was naturally just trying to like hide his identity. And okay. so Finisher's like, I could train you to be – something. So, takes him and he takes them to basically the finisher's version of the red room <laughs> where we find that there is a whole mess of chameleons. <laughs> Which okay. makes me question is is Dimitri Chameleon basically the Natasha of this right school because None of the others have names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's just another example of like yet another Soviet assassin and or super soldier program. Like, well, not Russian. Or, oh, but right. But yes. Okay.
0: I mean, so Dmitry is Russian. Right. But the, the, the school, was, Finisher is not okay. Russian that we know of. I mean, his name is K Carl with a K, so maybe, and then but F I E R S. Yeah, I don't think not, is no. Russian. But regardless, anyway, the reason why I start telling that part is because <laughs> turns out that literally two thirds of the patrons at the casino are chameleons, who have all been just mm. there undercover for the finisher to bring the the casino down i guess i don't know okay. i don't know why i have no idea why <laughs> but <laughs> so like foreigner had hired this team of like five jack-o'-lanterns one was actually jack-o'-lantern even though well okay one was authentically a jack-o'-lantern because okay. the first jack-o'-lantern is still dead and in hell <laughs> with because <the>, <laughs> his his past is more involved with
1: um, okay let's with, yeah <laughs> with
0: Ghost Rider than anyone else. Anyway, so the other jack-o'-lanterns end up being chameleons, and so they've been they've betrayed the, f- the Foreigner's contract because they have a bigger contract with the Finisher. So Foreigner is on his own in more ways than one. And this whole Teresa chameleon storyline: one, we established that there's a training place for all the chameleons, and also it is heavily implied so. The chameleons that Finisher trains, most of them are, like, brainwashed. Okay. Like They're, like, straight sleeper agents. And it shows that, like, one of those sleeper agents is one of the scientists that were working on the catalyst in the first place. But it's also implied that he doesn't know that he's a chameleon. So sure. that whole establishment... Yeah, Then goes to imply that Teresa is a chameleon. huh? And it just brings up these questions of like, so what do you think, Teresa? Do you think that you were miraculously saved from uh-huh. the wreckage of a plane crash? Uh-huh. Or do you think that I trained you to be who you are? And you were raised by... Or, or, that, or, or that, you're, like, that you're a sleeper chameleon? Or do you think mm-hmm. that I had two chameleons act as Richard and Mary Parker to, be, <laughs> to act as your parents? And oh, you're not goodness. actually related to Pete? Like, what do you think is your truth? And yeah. they don't fully establish it. And she's like, no, 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 no. Because Nick Fury randomly came across this picture of me being held by my mother by by mary parker yeah there's no way that 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 was such a random happenstance and then chameleon's like are you sure you didn't have help and then that's when he turns into nick fury and then turns back into chameleon Mm -hmm. and just raises all these fucking questions and and we don't know what the fuck's going on anyway the the volume ends (laughs) the volume ends with Finisher sends Teresa out and is like, listen, well, this whole time it's a hologram of Finisher, so she's not going to be able to kill him anyway. She's like, hey, so if you want like all your answers, blah, 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 go and get me the Clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he wants it, but he wants it. (laughs) Okay. And then it also ends with the casino getting taken down. It's crash landed in an unpopulated area. And Jamie gives the Clairvoyant to Spider-Man and he's like, I've learned my lesson. I can't do this. Yeah, a bunch of chameleons get arrested by the cops. Foreigner is cut off from some Karian funds, but Black Ant and Taskmaster are still doing like one last job for him or something. Okay. And Spider Man gives Teresa the clairvoyant because he trusts his super spy sister. Because he's like trying who to figure might not out like your sister. Sure. right, because he's trying to figure out like, who do I trust to take this? Right. In my mind, I thought he would have given it to Reed Richards, but mm-hmm. <laughs> F me. So <laughs> anyway, the last kind of pages shows a flashback of what's her face? Uh, Teresa having a breakdown in the cell with chameleon, and then her revealing her ch- a chameleon face. Okay. But what I don't know is because it's comics, is this like
1: mm-hmm.
0: is this real? <laughs> yeah, it's <this> a <laughs> Or is this, a this like a mental this... projection, nightmare, yeah. whatever? So we may potentially have a Teresa that is a chameleon and not actually
1: Teresa? Are we certain there was a like did Peter always know he had a sister? How much like this is just After one of those things. Business. Okay. And when was that printed?
0: Like nineties, late nineties, early two thousands.
1: Okay. This just seems like a large thing. Did he know and forget that he had a sister? No, she's just Super Spy,
0: not around. And then okay. in Nick
1: Spencer's run he brought her back. Okay. But okay, so she was first printed in twenty fourteen. I'm just saying, like like, did they grow up together? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like the only the only
0: way that the timeline works here is if Pete growing up with his parents, say for like his first like four years, and then the parents go off on this super spy mission and have Teresa on that super spy mission.
1: Right. So she's younger. It's a long term mission.
0: Okay. I believe so. I don't remember. I don't know. I need, like, I, in order to answer these questions, I'd have to read Family Business.
1: It's just, this is just such a, like, it's just such a big hole to dig yourself in editorially. Like, Mm -hmm. now you have to devote time and attention to care about this character who was only brought in recently, but has this very important connection to your main character. And, oh, like, is there a reason he doesn't hang out with his sister more? And, like, it seems like a bad idea from the beginning to give him a sister. So I don't mind them finding an escape hatch from this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then... The only other thing is Kindred has convinced Otto to go and put together Sinister Six. And so at the end of each issue, he's going around recruiting kind of his original Sinister Six. So he convinces Sandman to join him. And then he goes to a machine because he's smart and reconstitutes slash brings back Max Dillon Electro. Okay. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because he was electrocuted to death (laughs) because his powers were failing. And then Francine Fry kissed him and she got his powers and then she killed him. I don't know. It was dumb. But current Electro is a woman and now we have original Max Dillon back. And then he grows and recruits Craven who's been hanging out in the Savage Land by promising him to be able to hunt the lizard who's going to be the next recruit. (laughs) And yeah, so and I don't know who the sixth is going to be, but that was the mission that Kindred gave him and he's been diligently going about it. The last thing is Chameleon is in his cell and Kindred shows up physically because (laughs) (laughs) now that so the whole reason why Kingpin worked with with Norman is to have Norman have Kindred captured so Kindred could bring back rose now that the rose is back kingpin no longer cares about kindred and so he kind of negs on the deal spot takes his dark dimension energy that was holding kindred away norman Mm. is holding kindred and trying to get harry to care about him Kindred's like you're an idiot and (laughs) knocks him out and he leaves and the next time we see kindred is here in the cell with Chameleon. Interesting. And he says, so they're, so they have a weirdly interesting conversation of Chameleon says, you don't have to lurk like that. You know Kindred says, you know what I want? The serum. I need another dose. Mm-hmm. Chameleon says, Of course you do, appearances and all. And he says, careful chameleon. You know I see your true face. And then Chameleon says, Easy Osborne. We can make a deal. It always it's always a pleasure doing business again. So Serum with Harry Osborne implies goblin serum. Yep. I don't know what Dimitri's true face is, mm-hmm. but they've got this whole thing going on.
1: Some sort of backstory yeah. that's going to be fleshed out in the next yeah. 30 and it's volumes. Yeah. It is
0: such a weird, busy, crazy story. But I think, I think the So. Last volume, we closed the story on the Tablet of Life and Boomerang. On this one, we close the story of Chance's Casino and the Clairvoyant. Oh, because yeah. Teresa at the end destroys the Clairvoyant. She doesn't – Okay. She likes her lie, quote-unquote lie, of being Pete's sister. Oh, so okay. She destroys the Clairvoyant. So the Clairvoyant thing is done, but we still have chameleon stuff. We have auto-sinister stuff, kindred stuff – and probably more Teresa Revelation-type stuff. Sure. And I guess Betty's probably going to have a kid soon. and We'll see what happens there. That's Nick Spencer sweet. is juggling a
1: lot of fucking stories, man. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that seems... I, I don't know how usual that is for Spider-Man, but it seems like with such a large supporting cast that's developed over the decades, you end up with a lot of different plot threads that you get to, to navigate
0: I agree. Spider Man hasn't typically had this many running stories at the same time. Okay. And like, I was gonna make a comparison to like, what the what the X books are doing. Yeah. But those are different titles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine imagine if all those were happening, oh, and the,
1: the 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 story was called Dawn of X. I mean, I've read '80s X Men. I, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I do know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, like, usually this is, like, Teresa would have her own book. The chameleon stuff would be right. happening in that. Chance in the clairvoyant might be happening in Spider-Man. But then, like, the sinister stuff in Kindred would be its own book.
1: Right, yeah. Like, it's pretty wild.
0: We'll see, we'll see what happens.
1: Okay, nice. <laughs> All right. Should we switch gears?
0: Yes. Tell me about your books, man.
1: Yeah. So, let's just start quick and easy with the Generation X scrapbook by Jim Mafood And I loved this. This was just a, a quick special, you know, it was all in black and white in this kind of punk zine art style. It also kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of the art style from Daria,
0: oh, just cool. like
1: the way people's faces look and everything. And, you know, there's like a, a poster for the band Bad Brains and, and like Jubilee. There's a like a sketch of Jubilee and like a riot girl style, you know, get up with like the baby doll dress and combat boots and stuff, and such a perfect confluence of of things that I'm interested in, so it's just a bunch of you know small stories of heroes just hanging out as normal people, which also is everything that I ever want to read. Skin and M are competing for a high score on space invaders. jubilee's scrapbook of polaroids of the team and concert tickets there's a 70s cop show knockoff of uh, charlie's angels knockoff called banshee's angels where it's husk jubilee and m and wow yeah they're all 70s cop show like they stop a plan to use their superpowers to fuel an army of quote army of badass robotic super pimps and they win by turning the volume on a boon box way too loud. And the big bad shouts, no, my super pimps, the raw funk is destroying them. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, it's just a really good time. There's an, another story where Chamber takes a bus to New York City and has a nice walk around and mopes a bit, contemplates leaving the team, but doesn't. And then there's a, another Sort of a side story where Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, and William S. Burroughs travel to the future to destroy the world and are stopped by the team. It's Generation X versus the Beat Generation. <laughs> it, all works. it It's cool. all over the top. It all works. I absolutely loved it. It was a lot of fun. Okay, Maverick. So this is the end of the Maverick series, issues like 7 through 12 or something. So his girlfriend, the psychic Soviets by Elena. She's in a coma after a confrontation with Sabretooth. And it turns out that Maverick, so Maverick has the legacy legacy virus. It's been in remission. And it turns out that that was because of their psychic connection for some reason. And so with her in the coma, his virus is recurring and he is, his powers are all out of whack. Usually he like, he has, like, bishop powers, essentially, but now he, he just, like, melts everything that he touches with his hands. There's <laughs> a new villain from yet another Soviet assassin program named the Confessor, <laughs> who has, like, all religious-themed weapons and iconography, and he kind of looks like a mix between, like, Deadpool, but in all black, and kind of also the executioner in just, like, color scheme. But anyway... So he's hired by a villain who made a, an appearance earlier in the series, when I talked about it months ago, I don't expect you to remember, a guy named Ivan, the, Ivan Pushkin, or Ivan the Terrible, who's a big like Russian gangster, basically. And Confessor is hired to free Sickle of the, you remember Hammer and Sickle? Yes. <laughs> so he frees Sickle from a Canadian prison, and then he's also hired to capture Maverick, while he was at it, he told Maverick his parents were Nazis. This never comes up again. It's just kind of like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> we, we're never, we never get a resolution as to whether this was true or, or whether it matters at all. Because apparently Maverick's brother is a neo-Nazi or something. So Confessor finishes thing and he just kind of pieces it. Uh, he he uh, successfully captures Maverick and brings him to Pushkin's like little private village and then leaves So Pushkin hires Omega Red instead, because why not? And there's some big stupid plan to steal a bunch of AIM tech and launch missiles filled with anthrax over Hamburg, but then dress like Hydra while they do it to blame them. But also his personal henchmen who don't work for anybody else and are loyal only to him, Hammer and Sickle, are on the ground and involved and not dressed up, so... I don't know <laughs> what anybody's thinking here, but the, the big climactic fight of the entire series is with Sickle, a character nobody cares about. There's a smaller fight with Omega Red, which is sure. And during that, Omega Red does his, like, you know, death, spore, coil, suck his energy up mm-hmm. type thing on Maverick. And apparently... That's how he gets the legacy virus. And so last week on, um, I don't know if I said this, but he was part of the group with Pyro that was working for Exodus, wanting to get a cure for the legacy virus. So I guess this is Mm. him getting the legacy virus. I didn't know previously that he'd had it. Anyway, (laughs) and so... In the fight, Sickle gouges out one of Maverick's eyes and Maverick has to use his own powers to cauterize his own eye hole. <laughs> it's metal wow. as hell. Yeah. And then Sickle kicks Maverick out of an airplane, but the airplane crashes and explodes. As he's falling, Elena comes out of the cova, a coma, so his powers work correctly and he survives the fall. <laughs> and then okay. there's a B-plot where Christopher Bradley, who... <coughs> I don't expect you to remember. He's the guy who, when we did, remember that trivia game? <gasps> the forgettable Chris? Yeah, the trivia game that okay. we did, and you forgot yeah, him. Yeah,
0: because Maverick was obsessed with him for some reason. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. they were, they were, they were uh, virus buddies. Yes. So he's this teenager with electricity powers who has a legacy virus, and he had to go into wit- witness protection and move to Florida because he was a target due to having legacy Anyway, he's got a doctor in Florida and who's trying to get him to take care of himself. And then some hooligans come in to like steal drugs from the doctor's office or whatever. And he uses his powers to fight them off. Oh, and he knows the kids. They're from his high school. Anyway, that's that's the end of the series. That's it. It's over. Those oh, 12 issues. Okay. Yep. For the other. So I've got three series that are ending this week. I. I want to do a wrap up of all of them you know like what was this story about what did we learn etc etc this wasn't about anything we learned nothing (laughs) okay (laughs) this was about you know people think that maverick jim lee designed a cool costume for maverick and they wanted to find ways to use the character and they couldn't find any so here's the end of x factor previously three characters were introduced from bishop and shard's future and they were introduced, you know, in that future timeline in a shard flashback. Their names are Archer, Fix, and Greystone. They all left the XSE to become more extreme <laughs> and, uh, and create the Xavier's underground enforcers, XUE. Right. Yeah. Yes. So Archer looks like my lamp and <laughs> he shoots energy blasts. He's just like a bunch of like white discs like on his face and his hands and stuff he's like one of those like natural sun lamps basically and fix is a generic comics woman and she has like psychic powers that manifest through these little fairies that fly around graystone is a black guy that can grow in size and when his powers are active he gets these dreadlocks that are kind of like hollow at the tip and they all bunch up on like the top of his head pointing kind of like up and forward it looks like a pipe organ (laughs) it's a weird way for the ability to manifest itself it's it's very weird all everything's weird because he doesn't have the dreadlocks (laughs) when he's not using his power anyway of course not (laughs) they all come to 616 because why the fuck not Mm-hmm. bus crashes into a train in the present day, and they pick out three, the deceased, to throw their consciousnesses into. And they're all fine. There's no, like, injuries to the bodies or anything. They just kind of died in a crash, but it's okay. And so, like, sometimes they're the former, you know, like, the dead person's body, and sometimes they're their future body. Like, especially when they use their powers. Uh, it's all really weird. Hmm. Standard, they're here to stop something in the present and fix the future, blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, Dark Beast has isolated the legacy virus strain that infected Moira, and he wants to infect all humans with it because we're still under-operating under the assumption that Moira is a human. Right. (laughs) And so Archer, Greystone, and Fix recruit Mystique, who serves no plot purpose whatsoever. It's barely involved in any of it. I think they just wanted to get her into the title one last time. Dark Beast, uh, if you remember, has been hanging around with Havoc and his brotherhood alongside Ever, who is a guy, former Morlock, who was time-shifted in the future by Mikhail Rasputin, was part of Gene Nation. Mm -hmm. He has psychic powers because, like, I guess... You told me about Ultimate Tony Stark. His entire body is composed of gray matter. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, yeah, that his name is Ever, and there's also Fatal and Random, then Havoc and Dark Beast. That's the brotherhood. Havoc's been, you know, mired in a terminal case of morally gray for 30 issues or so. He was initially captured and brainwashed by Dark Beast, but then he snapped out of it but then he's like i'm gonna keep being kind of a weirdo and do this brotherhood thing but this series is ending so it's time for me to him you know make him break good there's also this minor subplot where a girl who random captured for dark beast but he also has a crush on is the primary carrier of the human variant of the legacy virus anyway blah 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 big fight Unlike every other story about a character from an alternate future who came back to save the past, they succeed immediately and stop Dark Beast. Oh, nice! Good for them. I know, right? And then it's like, now what? Uh, they're just kind of—they're <laughs> just stuck in the present now. And Archer and Greystone have memories from their host bodies, so they go and try and make things right. Archer's body was in an international terrorist with an ex-wife and a kid that he abused. So he goes in to check on him and be like, it's going to be better this time, I promise. They're like, fuck off forever. But his presence alerts some Genosian mutates because apparently he, like, did a genocide on them or something. The mutates attack. He saves the wives and kids. Oh, God, hope for the future You know, maybe he. you're not him, are you? But blah, 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 blah. I'm going to make things right. Whatever. Greystone's body was a kid, a teenage runaway. He goes back to save the kid's sister from their abusive parents, but he just kind of knocks them around a bit and leaves her with them. (laughs) Wow, okay. Fix's body was a hostage of the terrorist on the bus. (laughs) They even made references to, you know speed the movie wow really yeah excellent Uh, yeah (laughs) but she had no memories so fix doesn't have to deal with any it doesn't have any plot like this Um, okay (laughs) so alex decides he wants to get x factor back together he contacts madrox who surprises him by bringing polaris along for the ride alex and lorna have it out and they decide you know they're Broken up for good, for final, but they'll still be on a team together. And so Alex is kind of like, hey, we're going to do we're going to like do the thing where we're actually superheroes and, you know, no hiding in the shadows, no being extreme for extreme's sake. We're going to go out <laughs> and do some things that like the Avengers would do and save the world visibly as mutants. And that is our theory for change for how we're going to be a team. And then immediately, Greystone's going crazy from, quote, temporal insanity, because sure. And he finds this (laughs) transdimensional jet craft that he thinks can take him back to the future. I think maybe Dark Beast had it as a project or something. But everyone's like, no, like Dark Beast didn't use that for a reason. This thing doesn't work. It's going to explode. And Havoc is like, "Uh, I got this. And he hitches a ride and saves Greystone. And the thing explodes as expected. And apparently he dies in the explosion. And that's the end of the series. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I- I'm actually going to tell the end. Uh, I- I'm, I'm going to go through the Excalibur recap. And then I'll go bigger picture on both X-Factor and sure. Excalibur. So Excalibur. Banffs and nightmares. There's a whole plot with Banff, Banffs who are in... 616 for some reason and real for some reason and they are menacing lockheed because they want attention you know attention from kitty they are jealous of lockheed getting all the affection and pets and so forth and then nightmare (laughs) is there to sort of give their give them weight to make it happen and also feed off of whatever the fuck Nightmare does. I don't know why he's there, but it kind of, the whole thing, the, the plot line is called Preludes and Nightmares, and the, the first volume of Sandman was Preludes and Nocturnes. So it, uh. there's, there's some measure of Sandman pastiche going on but Pete Wisdom is the one who breaks nightmares. You know, everybody's stuck in a nightmare. It's your standard nightmare plot. And you go through and you yep. you go through and you see what everybody's nightmare is. Colossus, it's his dead parents. Kurt, it's Xavier is being hounded by Bastion and he can't help. And Doug Lock, it's being reabsorbed by the Phalanx and Kitty, it's her parents splitting up because she knows that she needs to break up with Pete Wisdom because the thing has run its course because the editors have been trying to break them up ever since Warren Ellis left the title. (laughs) And so Pete Wisdom is is actually the one who breaks the Nightmare's hold on them by essentially like realizing that he and Kitty are quits and he's able to face it. So there's no Nightmare fuel. So he and Kitty break up for real and he leaves the team. And honestly, it's a pretty decent send-off. Like, kudos. And then Megan, who you know recently got engaged to Brian, Brian's depowered and has left the island to kind of go on a journey to find himself. She's antsy in his absence. She goes and gets a crush on Colossus, which becomes the source of a lot of angst blah 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 blah. Doug Locke hacks Moira's quarantine controls to see rain, and she is pissed off at him for it. But it kind of ends the whole quarantine plot. very quickly (laughs) see kurt kind of feels like excalibur isn't doing anything which fair (laughs) they're not involved in any like they haven't been involved in operation zero tolerance they haven't been involved in onslaught they haven't none of all of the crossovers pass them by and he's feeling you know responsibility to go find xavier so they team up with sabra in israel And she promises Xavier's location in exchange for help with Legion, who is presumed dead after Legion Quest slash Age of Apocalypse. But, you know, there are power signatures matching his powers that are popping up in Jerusalem. And background for the Uh way they used to do Legion pre-integration and resurrection. He only had three personalities. It was Jack Wayne, Uh the telekinetic who is a serial killer, Jamal, the telepath, who is a good, good-natured kid in a turban, and Cindy, the pyrokinetic, uh, who is a nihilistic teenager who dresses like an 80s aerobics instructor. <laughs> and okay. they're all manifesting. It, actually, in the middle of the fight, Kitty calls her Pat Benatar, which is hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> they're all manifesting simultaneously with separate bodies, which is new. Apparently though they're all psychic ghosts and Megan uses her empath powers to help them like find peace and move on. So the team acts on the information from Sabra and they go to a leftover Operation Zero Tolerance facility in Peru where they find, fight and bring home Mimic but no Charles. It turns out it was Professor Xavier's telepathy that they keyed in on being manifested by Mimic rather than actual Charles. Okay. And then Brian comes home and there's a bachelor party in bridal shower that are interrupted by Farron and the crazy gang. So Farron is, <laughs> is actually pretty funny. Farron was one of the many, many characters that they cycled through in the early nineties, just like trying to fill out the team basically because it was like severely short staffed. It was like, it, it was just Peter and, or sorry, it was just Kurt and Kitty at that point. And so they're just like, have all of these weirdos who are <laughs> joining the team and, and, you know, falling off, et cetera, et cetera. One of them was this guy named Farron. He's the descendant of another guy named Farron, who was a contemporary of Merlin and studied with Merlin. And Farron He's like a sorcerer dude who was raised to someday be a host to the Phoenix Force and was very disappointed that it didn't happen for him. And when Captain Britain got lost in the time stream, Megan was very upset. Her empathic powers mixed with his sorcery in such a way that he turned into water and washed away. Oh. Just, like, the sadness and the magic and the something.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: And nobody, like, ever bothered to look for him They're just, or or really knew what happened to him. They're just like, oh, I guess Farron's gone. Uh. <laughs> he was a member for, like, four issues. He had one storyline. But he pops up. He's leading the crazy gang. He's dressed up as the executioner to come have vengeance on Excalibur for not caring about him after he, uh disappeared and never trying to find him or anything warranted yeah right but they're like no you're cool come hang out for the wedding be our friend and so it works and do you know the crazy gang at all it's like the alice in wonderland characters like tweedle dope it's like a purple ape looking guy with a propeller beanie who says yuck and then there's the, the 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 queen of hearts type character who can only say off with his head Okay.
0: I, so, no, I don't okay. know them.
1: They were apparently, <laughs> I looked them up on the wiki, apparently they were in Deadpool Mercs for Money, which would have been in your uh, timeline of things that you read. But yes. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. They are some just great classic Alan Davis creation Excalibur characters, just very emblematic of early Excalibur where they're just throwing a bunch of weird shit out there and following up on just, just having fun with it. So anyway, they show up with Farron and then they stay for the party because they have bad intentions, but they have no conviction behind them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, we're gonna do crimes. Oh no, we're we're just gonna hang out instead. That sounds way better. <laughs> so yeah. And then the final issue is dedicated to the wedding. Everyone gets a cameo from former members Micromax, Cerise, Widget. Tripper, Farron, and Kylan from the titles like Awkward Middle Period. Allies like Alistair Stewart and a horde of Captain Britons. <laughs> Enemies like Nigel Orpington-Smythe, the Crazy Gang, TechNet, weirdos like the Warpies, and then, you know, all sorts of multiversal bullshit. Characters like Merlin, Roma, and Saturnine. And it ends on the wedding. The kitty catches the the bouquet despite not wanting to colossus cat catches the garter despite not caring about it and so they're like oh maybe we get back together and they're like nah (laughs) and kurt announces that kitty kurt and peter are all leaving to rejoin the x-men and yeah that's that's about it so excalibur is basic you know as a team is done for now and yeah. Roma yeah. and Merlin have a talk about it. Like, hey, didn't we, like, bring these guys together to serve a purpose? And they're like, yeah, but, you know, when time comes. The, the, they did a thing, and when, when it's time, they'll do another thing. Let's not worry about it. Okay. So I thought it was really interesting the way that these two stories ended in very different ways. It reminded me of the classic, like, like comedy versus tragedy. Hmm. You know, like in shakespearean or or ancient greek storytelling you know basically there are two types of stories comedies and tragedies and the biggest way that you could tell the difference between the two is a tragedy ends with everybody dying and a comedy ends with everybody getting married those are the two ways to end a story with any sort of finality you know the two sort of Resolutions that, yeah, that just end things. Yeah, the the na- the natural
0: end of any individual's story is either death or they have to share it with someone
1: else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, X Factor ultimately proves out to be a tragedy, and Excalibur proves out to be a comedy. And I don't think that was ever really intentional. <laughs> uh huh. In, in the, you know, like, conception of either title, but it, it kind of really works out from a, from a broader scale. So, X Factor is, in its total, an extremely tragic book, you know? So, it starts with Gene, you know, coming back from the dead and the new Defenders that... Iceman, Angel, and Beast were a part of, falling apart. And so they're like, hey, let's let's get the band back together. Let's go be superheroes again. They have this weird mutant hunter ruse where they are calling, it, you know, get put ads out as a mutant extermination team, but then basically use the opportunity to help mutants in need and then take them back to their hideout where they get to you know, be sort of like a alt-New Mutants team. And so they take in Artie, Leech, Rusty, Skids, Richter, Boom Boom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, notable tie- storylines from that include, like, you know, the betrayal of Cameron Hodge, the introduction of Apocalypse, Warren losing his wings, and then turning into Archangel. Like, just a bunch of extremely tragic stories and culminating at the end of it, and so this, it was 70 issues that the original five were X Factor. And it culminated in the baby cable techno organic virus and sending him to the future plot. Just like the biggest tragedy of all. Mm-hmm. And then after the Mirror Island saga, the original five rejoin the X Men, and X Factor has to completely reinvent itself with cast offs from the Mirror Island saga, like. Madrox and Guido, who were nobodies at the time, had like just a handful of appearances each. And then Havoc and Polaris, who were never in their right mind for a very long time. Wolf Spain, who just didn't fit on X-Force, didn't end up fitting here either. And Excalibur ended up being the better fit for her. And then Quicksilver was just a random <laughs> throw in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... Did that team for a while. It was carried by Peter David's sort of, like, ear for character and, you know, writing voice. But he left because he hated doing crossovers. And then after that, it just sort of sputtered to the finish with the whole government conspiracy, x files brotherhoody brotherhood shit going on for the last 50 issues or so. So that is X-Factor, the tragedy. And then the comedy, Excalibur, on the other hand, interestingly was always just about always kept out of of crossovers they didn't they never had their like obligatory tie-in with the event of the year Mm -hmm. they kept their distance which is weird but ultimately good and so it was you know started because kitty and nightcrawler were injured after the mutant massacre and then phoenix returned randomly i mean rachel rachel phoenix and so Alan Davis and Chris Claremont had just finished a run on Captain Britain, wanted to keep the ball rolling. Hey, let's start a spinoff. Cool, cool, cool. And it was just like really silly and extremely British and full of weird ideas and peaked with the storyline called The Cross Time Caper, where they are bouncing between tons of different realities and meeting counterparts of themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of fun. And like I said before, tons of members that didn't stick because Alan Davis, he just wants to have new ideas. He just wants to draw weird and interesting creatures like the Warpies or or the the crazy gang and just have fun drawing cool shit. And so, but eventually Claremont and Davis leave. The team becomes like the X-Men, but over there, not unique at all, but also not tying into any crossovers. So they're not like relevant to the larger meta plot. And it just mm-hmm. becomes super directionless. And then Warren Ellis kind of joins in, gives it structure and purpose, but it doesn't last. And then it also just kind of sputters to the finish line. But it kind of retains the essential element of being a comedy. It's all there. It's, it's you know, from the beginning, so much of this was extremely lighthearted. Like, if you look at these villains, like TechNet, the Warpies, Crazy Gang, they're just all just truly bizarre some of the weirdest things you'll ever read in superhero comics and it's just for the hell of it so yeah you got to appreciate that it feels good to be at the end of these large runs these are 149 yeah, and 125 issues respectively and i got to the end of it so do you feel like if you had read these monthly you would have had the same like sense of closure it's really hard to say because I mean they took place over twelve and ten years respectively. Yeah. It's a long answer. I guess time. I guess I should
0: say, like, if you were if we if you're in your mid-30s
1: twenty-five years ago and reading these I never would have gotten through it. Mm. They're not they're not good enough. I mean, I'm I'm really like grasping at straws when I'm like the the closest thing to like a, a, a thematic you know, summation. Like if I, if I asked you, like we just had this conversation about ta Coates's cap run, right? Mm-hmm. And now that it's mm-hmm. over, you can kind of look at it from, from a distance. You can kind of p- put your finger on, okay, this is what this story was about. You know, right. it had a beginning, middle and end. It had a consistent narrative voice, creative path, cast of characters and tone. And it was, it was about something, fundamentally. Neither of these were really ever about anything. And I'm, I'm really, you know, and I, that's part of just the nature of superhero comics and, and the, the publishing model they had before, which was, you know, we'll just have the title and it'll go until it doesn't. And, you know, Excalibur at least had the narrative continuity of Kitty and Kurt being on the team the whole time. X Factor had. Absolutely nothing. Like, why are you? <laughs> yeah. Just a f- rotating roster almost every, like, two, three issues. Yeah. It, it's interesting, you know, it's a real grasping at straws to, to try and come up with broader themes and reasons and all of that. But for some reason, it feels important to me. <laughs> well, I mean, these are, it's, it's
0: crazy because, like, these are characters that we have since fallen in love with, in and life. had before too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I think it's worth the journey.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I complain a lot about <laughs> this this uh, obsessive 100% completion run of <laughs> X-Men comics, but you know, it remains interesting to me, even the bad parts. Because it kind of gives me a perspective on, you know, how and why comics are made in a large part. Cool. Yeah. Comics, man. Comics. <laughs> All right. What you well, that was, yeah. that was fun.
0: Yeah. It was cool. I mean, I only had one series end. But, like, this felt like a, a good, like, end of a chapter kind of week.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really went out of my way to, you know, once I... The, the natural flow of my books didn't have the last couple issues of X-Factor or Excalibur. So I jumped ahead so a little bit to, yeah. to put, put the endings in there. Cool.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so next week I have a Miles Morales, another
1: volume five. The, <laughs> title, the title is called The Clone Saga. Oh, no. So I oh, don't— keep keep Miles away from fucking clones. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious
0: because so in volume four, so so, in the last volume, he kind of had the closing out of his story of going up against this guy ultimatum. Okay. So conceptually ultimatum is the name of a giant crossover event in the ultimate universe. Right. And then this guy, Ultimatum in 616 is Miles Morales from 616. Because Miles Morales' Spider-Man is from 1610. Right. So 616 Miles' Ultimatum was collecting artifacts that had a signature of another universe, most all of which being the ultimate universe. And so he had like... The body armor, the armor, one of the armored suits from Ultimate Iron Man. Mm -hmm. He had like belt piece thing that Ultimate Thor had because I really. So something that was kind of cool is uh, Ultimate Thor was left an enigma as far as like, are the Norse gods real? Are the gods real in Ultimate Universe? Mm hmm. He wa- And like, so he yeah, was a drunkard. I, I remember that. And he, but he, he was convinced of who he was, but it was never flat out confirmed. Because the stories he was telling were so strange, but they were coming with a MRI scan. The area of his brain that was activating was the area that's, that's associated with memory, mm. but he didn't have any of the powers, all of his Thor stuff. Were tools, like they made this like they made Storm what is now called Stormbreaker, but they made his axe slash hammer and put this like giant Tesla type coil sort of thing in it, and okay. in order to lift it, they made that four circle giant belt thing. Oh yeah, that he wore, and yeah. so. He was strong, but he wasn't like God strong, and it was that belt that gave him that extra strength, and hmm. that's and it was that belt that made it so he could lift the hammer and no one else. So like, anyway, okay. that whole side tangent being, Ultimatum had that belt. <laughs> <laughs> he he defeats Ultimatum in the last volume. He being sixteen ten miles, and so what are they going to do in volume five? Like. Mm-hmm. Ending Volume Four would be the end of a run. You'd think that would be a renumbering or a new a new team, but it's the same uh, Saladin Ahmed, the Miles Miles Spider-Man. It's good. This next one is issues twenty-two through twenty-eight, seven bulky issues. Hmm. So we'll see. After that is Daredevil, Zidarski's Daredevil. Sweet. Oh yes. uh, Which ended with Matt going. Right? Matt going to going to jail. Elektra taking on the mantle of Daredevil mm-hmm. and Mike Murdoch is real because of the Nornstones. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, and then there's other stuff. I yeah, I, yeah. I only ever say the next two books because I always yes. have the next yeah. book on me because I think I'm going to read it this, this week. <laughs> and then I can see the next book on my bookshelf. I don't right. know what's after it. <laughs> For those wondering why
1: I only <laughs> ever say two books. <laughs> well, I have coming up next some Adjectiveless X-Men, some Wolverine, and some Deadpool and and an X-Men and Alpha Flight miniseries. I think that's, that's what I'm going to try and get done. Fun. Yeah.
0: I like those titles. I like those names. I like adjectives. X-Men has grown to be like the title that I'm most excited about. Like, I know it's, I know it's Hickman's fault. (laughs) <laughs> because that's what he's using to expand the world of Krakoa and stuff but yeah. like conceptually uh-huh I'm like I hear Adjectiveless X-Men and I'm
1: like ooh <laughs> what are we going to do <laughs> yeah a little different in 1998
0: but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Adjectiveless X-Men had some weird stories in in the uh utopia area mm-hmm. time frame that's when I that's that's where I got introduced to the idea of Quanon versus Betsy. So right. I wasn't entirely aware of that whole thing. I it knew there was weird. a body. I knew there was a body possession backstory, but it's always been Betsy, and she's the psychic, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that uh, man. Anyway, <laughs> well, I guess I don't, we don't not too much else to talk about yeah. as far as comics are concerned. So far I think. I think we should just put the outro music mm. here okay i respect your choice you. all right, okay. so i have captain america all die young part two which is
1: volume five of
0: ta-na-hissy coats ta hissy coats
1: i'm just gonna let you keep going <laughs> <laughs>